This is Offspin. So when you are thinking up to a 10 lakh rupees car but your budget is 6-7 then instead of 3 years if you go to 7 years your EMI almost halves. Right? So then you are buying a 10 lakh car at a 7 year EMI versus a, a 6-7 lakh car for a 3 lakh uh, for a 3 years EMI. So you are fulfilling your dream of buying a better version or a higher variant of a car in the see as I am paying an EMI my fixed uh, monthly amount is fixed. Right? I'm not thinking I'm going to close the loan in 12 months or 7 years or 5 years. And in, in both the scenarios, in 3 years, what is going to happen? It's time for Let's Get Rich with Patu. On the 37th episode of Let's Get Rich with Pattu, I had a brainwave and I asked Pattu, Pattu, why haven't we ever discussed cars? And he thought a little bit and he said, I don't think I know too much about cars. But then I started to think much more about cars, Pattu. Um, and it turns out to be such a big investment in people's life, right? Uh, I even did the math and my insurance premium on my car is more than my medical insurance premium, despite that being a 25 lakh cover for my entire family. Uh, EMIs are involved. We dedicated a couple of episodes to homes and home loans and home purchases and how that EMI itself needs to be so carefully thought of and you gave some thumb rules of how, correct me if I'm wrong, Patu, but you said one third should go towards your EMI and not more than that. Um, and a car is such an important decision, right? I, I did a quick Google search and in 2022, we had 326 million vehicles on Indian roads which basically means as a vehicle for every third Indian on Indian roads. Um, and I'm very pleased that we are joined on this call um, by a 20-year veteran from the you know, motoring space in India. Um, and Deepak has allowed me to say this with full caveat to all you listeners. His job is about increasing sales of vehicles in India. So that you know that before we enter this call, um, but I'm sure, Deepak, we are very, very grateful that you gave us your time at such short notice. And I'm sure we'll learn a lot okay. from you. Uh, but before we hand over the mic to you, Deepak, uh, Pattu, when you think about this world of cars and motor vehicles and its relation to personal finance, why was there some hesitancy? I know nothing about cars. I have never sat in the driver's seat even. <laughs> I've not even touched the steering wheel. The other reason is that, of course, when it comes to, it's a very personal decision. Yep. And uh, of course, many people get it wrong about when they buy, how, mu how much they should spend for it and so on. But um, yeah, other than that, that's the, that's the reason why I hesitated. But to, before we move to Deepak, and Deepak, I know uh, I, I'm really building the suspense for the listeners while with you talking. But to, how do you get around in Chennai? Do you have a car or basic vehicle no, do you no. depend on uber and ola and all these rental apps how is it that you take care of transport yeah for you so, and your family uh, short term i uh, short distances a uh, two-wheeler uh auto auto i have trusted auto people who you know do it and i have a cab also a trusted guy who but uh and thankfully i i live near hospitals one guy said okay that's all fine 
but what if in the middle of the night you you know you get a chest pain and you want to you uh, you can't wait for an ambulance that's when you know the importance of a car man by one absolutely that was so, my next question but what <laughs> if in the middle of the night there's an emergency but you so, thought of that as well yeah yeah no we are dotted with hospitals all around the place so that's one of the reasons why i've been hesitant about buying so perhaps for you it's been about necessity but now deepak coming to you right mm. we live in an in, in a country that i think it's safe to say people love cars true it is not only a tool uh, which is a useful tool but it's also a status symbol i was about and to say that, that becomes when, when more the Patu case than about, yeah when patu said about the utility it's today scenario it's more of the social status more than the uh, utility at the same time in many depending upon which part of the city or the uh, country you are or the state you are which kind of works very well for the industry you're in and your business deepak which is to increase sales for luxury brands and you've done that for years and and more than a decade but yes. can i put you on the spot and ask you what do you feel about the current state of our roads in india which are chocker block getting from one place to the other is not a pleasant experience do you think it's time for india to really think about the number of cars it has and has and create policies around the sale of cars um i have some experience living in singapore and here it is so difficult and expensive to own a car what do you have to say about that before we delve into the entire so process finance we are not in that phase how singapore is today so it's a long way to go if you look from the per you know the 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 bandwidth which they look at from the kilometer per car available on the road so we have ample space still available and if you notice the highest sale today are happening in the tier 2 and tier 3 city compared to the metros because metro lately with thanks to the infrastructure we have yes the roads are choco block but with the metros and the locals if you talk from bombay bangalore even from better chennai and delhi also so out there and as apatu also highlighted when you are in the heart of a city going moving around anywhere it's as a auto or a lauber which is works out better so i know people who owns luxury cars also but when they are in the city they they prefer the ola uber uh, option compared to driving their own car because not only driving is a pain parking is even bigger problem for them so hence when we talk from that perspective in terms of increasing the number of cars they are going to increase they are going to explore for sure but not in the metros it's going to be the, the phenomena is going to happen in the tier 2 and tier 3 city and 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 when when we talk about the luxury car also even in this calendar if you notice the 2023 status the highest number of above 1 cr car are sold in tier 2 and tier 3 city compared to metros that's amazing um yeah. and that makes me think about how we are such a critical juncture deepak and patu you know i feel all of our major cities now have had so much infrastructure work happening i know for bombay it is a fact we can't wait for all these metros to start which have mm. you know dug up our roads and rocked our roads for a long time so i feel the next 2 3 years is such an interesting time to see whether everyone takes to public transport uh, ditches their cars and and frees up our roads or not um but this this is perhaps all philosophical and macroeconomic our show is very strongly geared towards personal finance right so let's start off that discussion uh but two is it okay to categorize the type of people who want to buy a car as these one who absolutely do not want a car for you know because they're not interested in it they don't see the need for it at the other end there are very passionate car lovers you know motorheads who love that thrill of speed who want the most luxurious car for example but i think we're talking and addressing people right in the middle who have 
perhaps started off in their career feel maybe because of family reasons or other reasons they need their first car right um we are addressing that startup society uh, deepak in your experience i'm sure you deal with all kinds of people at the luxury end as well as you've had experience with people buying out their first car what are some thumb rules or guiding principles you would give such people if you're buying your first car please make sure 1 2 it all boils down to first what kind of budget you are looking at when it comes to budget there are two types if you are buying an outright of course the total car cost what it comes up to and if you are buying an emi then what is the kind of emi you are comfortable to pay in a month's time it might be a 3 year 5 year 7 year depending upon how much you want to fetch in and the fixed emi and then you do the reverse match and see what the budget the car can uh, put in in your EMI which you want to pay in for, so so and so forth. So that's how the basic thumb rule should be: okay, what outflow you are comfortable with. And you, as you highlighted about the insurance part at the beginning of the show, so you need to counter in as in a uh, uh, fixed amount to be kept aside, wherein the annual EMI, uh, the insurance will be there, annual service will be there. So those two factors also has to be factored in when you are considering the budgeting of your car. Uh, and especially when you're buying your first time, you need to have this basic idea in place that this is an X amount of EMI I'm going to pay, which is going to be fixed for 12 months, and then there is an annual cost of maintenance as well as the insurance uh, amount which will come in. Great. Okay. So latching onto that, part two, uh, is there any kind of top of mind math that comes to you uh, with in support of buying a car outright versus? taking it on emi because i have a close friend who once told me you're an absolute idiot for buying your car outright right it's much better to take an emi because you've you've blocked that that much amount of capital etc etc so what comes to your mind for that and then we'll discuss emi after that yeah so um a couple of things here well, i think uh, 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 like deepak said the budget uh, what is the price band that you're looking at and i think your income plays a role in setting that budget and i i would say don't exceed your annual income in terms of a budget for the car and uh, that should be the upper limit the lower limit is preferably lower is happy you should be happy with that but don't go beyond your annual income that should be the highest you would pay for a car what a great thumb rule so if the price of the car is more than your one year salary net gross i don't think makes a big difference but you know basic that's a nice little thumb rule if your car is worth more than that it perhaps but two things it may cause problems so that's a nice starting point deepak what would you say to that thumb rule of and how would it affect your industry uh, of a car not crossing one year salary uh i doubt anybody would be buying a car which is uh, one year salary because then they will be not moving above the two wheeler in the market and the automobile sale would have been less than half also which is complete because when it comes to salaried employee i have noticed that almost you know 30 to 40 even to some extent 50% if two people are earning is the amount they pay for their car emi so that's that's my uh, take on that uh, legitimate income when it comes to salaried employee of course in case of entrepreneur as a to it numbers which are there which is beyond discussion but to having heard that answer from deepak do you have any thumb rules for emi then and how people should look at uh, what emis they should take because very clearly a very popular part of the home loan episode was your thumb rule of it should not cross more than you know one third of your 
monthly salary. Any thoughts about Shah in mind? Uh, first of all, I'm not surprised, but it's worse than what I thought it was. <laughs> the amount of uh, EMIs that people go in for. See, the problem is this for a typical salaried guy. They, they start uh, earning, then they they probably earn for an expensive phone. They get an EMI for that. For a few years, that goes on. Then they want a car. That's for five to seven years, maybe. And then they want a house. And that's going to take them anywhere between 10 to 15 years minimum. So for the first two decades of uh, earning, they're uh, actually going to be spending a lot of their income towards EMIs. Uh, what about retirement? What about other goals? And they're almost thrown out of the window. See, I did a quick uh, computation. So let's say I, I'm earning um, 12 lakhs a year. So 1 lakh a month. And if I want a 25 lakh car, which is like twice, uh, uh, is that all right? 25 lakh car for a uh, 12 lakh uh, income guy, Deepak, is that okay? Yeah, yeah, possibly. Unless he doesn't have any other commitment in terms of the housing EMI or the other source. Let's assume that. Let's assume there's no other loan. And even at a, even for a 10-year uh, loan, car loan, and a 6.5% or so approximately, the EMI is about nearly 29,000. So it already hits that 30% of the monthly uh, income mark just with the uh, car loan. So he has to, he or she has to wait for the car loan to finish and then only start any other loan. So it's like what I said, it's a, you are a serial EMI payer. No, first for gadgets, then for car, then for house. So it, it's a big problem. So I, I'm only saying that uh yeah okay you want a car but think about your other goals as well make a holistic decision about where your finances are and uh maybe you can live with a, a used car for a couple of years until your income grows and then you can you know buy a new one so now i just like to counter on the uh for two part for the used car i think we're just to buy the first car's used car from my opinion unless you are buying outright you know if you're putting your full money down a used car always works out expensive than a new car because you might you might buy a car worth five lakh rupees as a used car and if you're taking as a loan uh, the the finance on a used car is like say 11 percent monthly wow. reducing basis so that's almost five six percent on the flat rate versus a new car is almost uh, nine nine and a half so the difference of emi is worth to buy a you know, a six, seven lakh new car versus a five lakh used car. And I have a peace of mind uh, when it comes, anyway, you're going to pay EMI. And at least you have the first two years of warranty and the uh, service package which might be possible in case of a new car versus a used car, which might be a, a lottery if it doesn't spoil in the first six months. Such interesting feedback. Yeah, it's very, very useful. In terms of uh, the EMI, uh, do you recommend a three-year loan? So I was looking at some data, Deepak. I think mm -hmm. a majority of people, which is 30%, take a three-year loan. 10% mm -hmm. uh, take a one-year loan. The next highest was, I think, a five-year loan. And there are some people who even say, take a seven-year seven loan. Seven-year loan. And apparently for EVs, it could be eight years as well. 
what is your recommendation? Largely, what do you feel is the ideal amount, or it just depends on how much you can afford? Now, now, see, if if we if we speak from, of course, Patu is of the opinion of one year EMI as your car, but uh, uh, ideally, three year span is is good for a person who is going to churn the car in less than around three years. So that is first thumb rule. Right? Because there are people who are churning cars after three years, they want to keep the car new. So for three years, they use the car, the loan is over, whatever the resale value came, they put in the new car and so and so forth, the lifeline continues. But that's subject to you are able to afford a car. But today what happens is you're, you're capable of buying a Samsung, but your aim is to buy an iPhone. So that kind of story is what we are living in. So then what happens, a person is looking at a budget of five lakh or as you said, six lakh car, but he... The three-year EMI of that versus, a, let's say, a nine-leg car and a seven-year EMI of that kind of works out quite similar. So wow. now what happens, ke, anyway, I'm buying a car and the EMI I've already put in, let's say, uh, uh, as we are discussing, first-hand car buyer, so we are we are sticking to the ticket size of two ten lakh rupees on the higher side. And of course, ideal first-hand buyers are in the range of six, seven lakh only. So when you are thinking up to a 10 lakh rupees car, but your budget is 6, 7, then instead of 3 years, if you go to 7 years, your EMI almost halves. Right? So then you are buying a 10 lakh car at a 7 year EMI versus a, a, a 6, 7 lakh car for a 3 lakh, uh, for a 3 years EMI. Mm. So you are fulfilling your dream of buying a better version or a higher variant of a car. In the, see, as I am paying an EMI, my fixed, uh, monthly amount is fixed. Right? I'm not thinking I'm going to close the loan in 12 months or 7 years or 5 years. And in, in both the scenarios, in 3 years, what is going to happen? You are going to sell the car, you'll have some corpus left, you'll put it in the new car. In the 7 year scenario, you might sell the car, whatever amount you uh, got it, you might have to use it to foreclose the loan. Ultimately, you are zero in both the cases. Mm -hmm. You are starting fresh when it comes to 7 year car. In case of 3 year, you might have some corpus to put in as a down payment in the new car. So there are ups and downs in both. But Looking at today's scenario, why a seven-year or even for some matter uh, for doctors and for some self-employed uh, self banks are willing to give up to 10 years also because they know it's a, it's a fixed asset, the resale is going to there for sure, so it's a low-risk uh, loan. So they are willing to give 10 years EMI also. So they are willing to spend higher or rather buy a higher ticket size car compared to a lower end because their outflow is what they are committed for not the ticket size of the car and so on but you know you've led me to the next important part of this episode uh, Deepak and what do you feel about this constant churn is it a good thing to sell within three years is it a good thing to use your car until it just doesn't run anymore what is the financial angle to that and Patu you can weigh in on this as well so my take is if you are using the car extensively it's good to sell the car after it depends in, in, a, in, a, in a metro city it's good to sell after 50,000 kilometers, depending upon the number of years you have used it. And if you're on a tire two or tire three where the roads are better and you normally do long distance, your car, I can give an example like in a city you're driving one hour and you're doing 30 kilometers max. That's max, you know, if you talk about peak Bombay traffic, so it's one hour is 15 kilometers also sometimes. Versus on the highway, you're doing one hour, might be 150 kilometers also. Yeah. So, so that's when, if you're talking about tire two cities, so they are driving more rather than sitting in the car for a duration perspective. So in that case, up to one lakh kilometer is what we need to churn the car. Because after that, the repair cost will keep increasing. 
Of course, we have come across cars which are run two, two lakh kilometer also. That's a different scenario. So your question on what's the good time to churn the car? It depends. Metro up to fifty thousand, or as long as you are. No, it depends. Many a time it depends upon the individual uh, wind flow money also. Well, then mm. you might change the car in two years or less than two years also, and less than twenty-five thousand kilometers also. That's an extreme scenario. But in a in a in a in a standard format or in a long run perspective, fifty thousand three years or one lakh is what the ideal churn is. Like what we have seen the and in again in the metros the the, the timeline is reducing. When once it used to be five years, three years, now it's le- less than three years or between two to three years, a car changes. The is owner. there an impact on the environment when this happens, Deepak? In metro, there is no environment, so we can't discuss beyond the point. Yeah, entire to entire city, because compared to the car, the, the the metros and the bridges are killing the people with the kind of cement which the asbestos which is flowing in the air. But uh, if you notice, most of these cars which are sold or rather resold are in the entire to entire cities. So the the cars are not. It's not that you know you are populating the city with every. If if we say Bombay is selling. Uh, 500 cars or 1000 cars every month that doesn't mean the old 1000 cars are still lying in bombay they are coming out of bombay mm. they are going out of bombay or chennai you know basically metros so those cars are going out of the metros they are going to the tier 2 and tier 3 city because they are finding those cars cheaper and they are buying those cars and and no you know ironically compared to the metros the tier 2 tier 3 city has a higher rate of outright purchase because they are of the mindset of okay, i don't want to pay interest if i have money i'll buy Interesting. Well, unlike the metro, wherein as long as I'm earning, I'll pay the EMI. Fascinating. So that's Let's where the environmental perspective. If you talk from metro, the cars are not there, so they are coming out of the city. So it shouldn't be a problem, and it isn't the problem so far. But to before we move on to the next big topic, which is insurance, uh, here's your time to speak your mind about the environment. I know you're a really strong proponent for our future and what we're leaving to our kids. What do you feel about cars and this constant churn? I agree with the Deepak here. I think cars have become way more environment friendly over the years. Even even if you ignore the electric vehicles, even the petrol based vehicles, even diesel based vehicles have become the the you know the exhausts have reduced significantly and uh, they and even noise. You don't hear the cars, the new cars. You don't hear them at all unless they honk. You don't hear them on the road. so that's how smooth uh, they have become so i think in a in a in a metro there are thousand other things that will kill you uh, uh, no than uh, pollution from cars so that in that sense i think we are fairly fine but uh, i am a little uh, disturbed by this churn rate that uh, deepak exactly, is exactly right i uh, thought you were <laughs> <laughs> uh, mentioning if, that, if that, that's what's happening i i'm very worried if people have money to do that then then i think there's no question but do they do or uh, do most people who churn do they I- i'm not sure i mean ask I, your regular I, driver but to what he does is he churning his car every 3 years or is he running it into the ground for 10 years and no this guy has had the same car for several years now hmm. <laughs> but he go, he's he's a long distance guy i mean for me he does short trips but he goes from city to city so for maybe that will work better Like here, Deepak had mentioned. Quickly before I forget, speaking of honking, Deepak, I've always had this idea, right? Because I'm fed up with the honking in our cities, in our metros. Is there a technology which you can start where 
the honk will not work unless you're above say 30 40 kilometers an hour because you actually need it only when you're at high speeds not when you're stuck at a signal and you know just honking because you're frustrated I mean, for, how for, do we for solve this problem of noise to, uh, there's nothing to do we can do that uh, it's a human tendency person standing you know before the green light turns red uh, red light turns green people just start honking so you know there there has been many memes and even the uh, Uh, Mumbai police have done a nice video on that uh, by honking the red light is not going to turn green fast. But there is nothing we can do because it's a mandatory. The horn is mandatory as per the ARI norm to have it on the car, and it's nothing to do with the speed which you can work on. So mm. we have to live with that. What do you think? Don't you think it's a good idea? You don't need it when you're stationary. You don't need it till you're ten. Yeah, you need it when you're at faster speeds. But if you, speed. if you notice the highest honk. You know, highest number of honk is done when, when the car is stationary. <laughs> yeah, because nobody is uh, you know bothered to honk if you're driving the car is at a high speed also. You know, this conversation can keep going on and on. I, my job is to keep us on the track. Um, the next topic is insurance, Deepak. Right? It was a big. It's been a big topic for us on the show, medical insurance. How does one approach car insurance? For me, it was so eye-opening because we do. audio production right and we have to produce an ad for a car insurer and for the first time i realized you don't have to take the insurance that the dealer is giving you and i was really i had a choice so how does a first time buyer look at insurance what are the key important parts of insurance to look at if you are talking prospective from the first time buyer i would suggest that he should blindly stick to the dealer from where he is buying the car why is that deeper reason the reason being when you are buying the insurance from the uh, manufacturers deal is buying a car from the dealership and the dealership is providing the insurance so ideally no matter which brand it is they have a national tie up with the insurance company which is one uh, insured with and plus there are certain advantages or the coverage which they are giving which hence the insurance cost is higher compared to the open market and this i'm talking about the first year to start with second year also a similar story happens second year is where the the plethora of option opens you know first year by default the dealership is like kind of forcing you have to buy the car with the dealer only the insurance from the dealer only second year the the owner is free to buy the uh, insurance from anywhere he would like to but in that case also it is suggested to buy the insurance from the uh, insurance uh, from the dealership itself because the coverage which they provide ideally a full because the dealership mm-hmm. wants to earn more commission bottom line so they'll try to put in every possible coverage which is required now unless you are expert in that and you know that you don't need xyz coverage or the you know a simple like today's uh, with the new new age insurance company coming into picture there is a there is a cap that if you are going to drive the car for 10000 this is your insurance if you are driving the car more than 10000 then this is your premium do you need a red pipe you don't need a red pipe you need a key you do not need, you don't need the key now this things all these years you never knew that this was the part of the insurance which you need to select or not select by default the dealership was taking every possible option and you are getting a premium which was higher yes you could have got the second year insurance kind of half the price if you have opted for if you have got the opt, you know uh, opc you need the yes no yes no if you and obviously because every yes has to add the rupee value and you would have said no 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 and of course your insurance would be in half the price but subjective you have clear ke which terrain you are driving how much you are driving 
whether the tire is required, whether you're going to lose the key, you never know. And that is why the whole insurance concept comes into picture because you don't know whether you're going to require that or not. So it all boils down for a novices, for a first time buyer, stick to the dealership is my take on that. What about year two onwards? And I'll give you a perspective of on this show, what we really want to know, right? For example, in medical insurance, but to highlight it, the most important thing to focus on is room rent allowance. At the end of the day, that's the most important. Because there's so much marketing done that you need this, you need that, you need this add-on, that cover, etc., etc. So what is the one important thing you should look at while buying insurance? And what are the different things? What is zero depreciation? What is all of that? So uh, in the uh, second year onwards, I would say you need to look at the depreciation content. Yes, your basic insurance is just a third-party insurance with your self uh, com- uh, coverage. Or as they call it, own damage coverage. Then it comes to the depreciation component. Then it comes to plastic parts, the metal parts. So all those components comes into picture. And if you foresee, especially in the metro where the touch and go things are quite common, so it's advisable to take the better one wherein entire coverage is taken care of. Else, from second or onwards, even if you break a bumper, straight 25% is going to knock off. And you're going to end up paying that 25% from your pocket if you have not taken a coverage for that. Own damage is there, but the depreciation is not. Mm. So that's where a zero debt, as they call it in the marketing term, is required for throughout the year as long as you're going to keep the car with you. And hence, the insurance premium ideally gets expensive as the car gets older and not cheaper, which is the myth that they have. It gets expensive if you want to keep the coverage full. If I've understood this right, this IDV of the vehicle goes down every year, right? Yes. Where does zero depreciation work? If you buy zero depreciation, does the IDV say the same? No, you are talking about return to invoice in that case, I suppose. Return to invoice is where you have taken a 10 lakh car. On the third year also, if you met with a total loss, you are going to get the 10 lakh back. So that's return to invoice. That's one And is that very expensive? Zero debt. You can say your first year insurance is going to be uh, the amount of first year insurance. Let's say it's 20,000. It remains same every year if you take that kind of uh, return to invoice kind of insurance. Because it's going to cover full 10 lakh. Even though the car is depreciated from the insurance perspective, it became 8.5, let's say, for the second year. But you are taking insurance of 10 lakh rupees. So from that perspective, uh, the insurance premium might remain constant, more but not less. Now about the depreciation uh, part of it that's for the component which you're going to meet and uh, repair or uh, might uh, replace it in case of an accident uh, scenario so those components are by default going to depreciate right Got it. whether it's bumper or metal part or any such thing consumable dear listeners please bear with us you'll see something looking different but all three of us are in the same space at the end of the day <laughs> we started this episode at the morning of our day We've had a very hard working day and I'm so grateful Deepak and Patu for agreeing to do this at the end of your working Thank day you. as well to, to complete the episode. Deepak, I have a quick question on uh, return to invoice kind of uh, insurance. Okay. Does that help in resale value at all? Does it have any other advantage? Nothing, 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 nothing. One final question, Deepak. Uh, how, was, how must one as a new car owner approach maintenance? Is it something very important to look at on from a financial, personal finance kind of front? Um, what is your take on that, on maintenance? A uh, person who is buying the car on, you know, the edge EMI, where you know, his budget is very strictly in spending from his salary perspective or monthly outflow, 
is capped and is you know already overborne with that EMI, then maintenance is something which is seriously to be looked upon because you never know. A, a, a smallest possible car will give you a five to six thousand car uh, for service cost. So from that perspective, uh, it's it's better to have a insurance with a full. Uh, or you can buy at the time of buying the car. So many companies are giving so maintenance package. So you can right. buy the car with the maintenance package, wherein that cost of five six thousand of this service also will be taken care of. A lot of people try and go to their local mechanic versus going to the dealer because they try to save money. Any thoughts on that? Uh, I'm being a dealer myself, so I would prefer to stick to the dealers only. Yeah, after see, as long as the car is even otherwise, you know, I have come across car customers who have driven the car for almost two lakh kilometers, and every service is done in the workshop, and they are satisfied because see what happens in the open versus the uh, uh, company garage is we try to replace as much as possible rather than repairing it. Mm. Whereas the local garage it works out cheaper because he's going to repair it. Now ultimately you're you know you're just making a makeshift arrangement for that thing to work for a little longer versus this life which is ended and which could have been replaced as a whole. So it's a yeah you are saying it's like you know you're spending 12 12 24 rather than 18 once. Got it. Okay, and one final question before we wrap up this very, very useful episode is, in 2024, what is your take? And Pattu, I'm sure you'd like this question also because you have a bent of mind towards the environment. Does it make sense buying internal combustion engines anymore? Should one just blindly look at EVs? Because, you know, this is a, if somebody is looking to buy a car today, is it short-sighted to buy an internal combustion engine uh, because, you know, uh, does it even make sense? Because you buy a car for a good three to five years. What is your take on this entire EV versus uh, ICE? Uh, it's still debatable because the infra is not yet up to the mark to go 100% EV to start with. But when it comes to ICE, yes, I would say stick to uh, gas or, or petrol. Don't go for diesel for sure. If you're talking from long-term perspective, resale perspective, maintenance perspective, in today's era, stick to petrol or gas. Don't go for diesel at all. Now, between ICE and EV, unless you are in the range where the infra is there, of course, EV works out well. But if you're using the car extensively, right, then it does not make sense to go for EV at present because if you compare a vis-a-vis, let's say, a, a mass segment today, a Nexon, uh, like a Tata Nexon a petrol versus an EV, the EV cost is nothing less than three to four lakhs more compared to a uh, ICE engine. Now you're not going to spend that kind of amount on the fuel to save or to get that ripe that benefit which is required by buying an EV. You know, plus the range anxiety is there. Yeah. Plus the if you're on the run, you know, if you have a uh, EV, you will be you will require nothing less than 45 to a 60 minutes charging pit stop compared to a 10 minutes fuel pit stop. So from that perspective also, it is better to stick to ICE for now. Now, benefit of EV is like for people who are having, a, let's say, a solar panels, right? Mm. People who are using solar panels at home or in their bungalows, for them, EV works out better because it's a one-time investment. The electricity is free. They're charging free. So the running cost is as good as free. And comparatively, the maintenance also is negligible. Because of the moving parts are much fewer. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh -huh. There's not much parts to repair on. So for them, I see, I mean, the EVs are best because they are practically just the one-time investment of buying the car. Rest throughout the car life, it's free. Just renew the insurance, maintenance. There's nothing to be as a fixed cost which is going to be there on the car. So it's varied depending from the market to market and the usage pattern which you're looking at. Deepak, we are very, very ever so grateful. But would you like to cap up this episode? Because I think the people who want to take EMI from a, you know, the show is entirely about personal finance. And Deepak has given us so many valuable insights. From a personal finance, I think your key messages are if you're taking an EMI, take one EMI at a time, try and finish it off before you go to their next EMI. But overall, how do you cap up this entire personal finance aspect of cars? First of all, uh, thanks to Deepak. Uh, Deepak, I've learned so much about something I knew nothing at all. Uh, and I, yeah, I think, yeah, the, the general idea is just common sense. I mean, don't go overboard. Sure, it's nice to have a car, but don't go overboard and think, make a holistic decision because it's not, that's not the only thing you're going to spend on. You got to think about your long-term goals. If you want to buy a house later on, you're going to think about that as well. So make a holistic decision and, uh, you know, proceed. That's it. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, one line that's coming to my mind, Patu, from previous episodes is, as, no, as long as you know the, the cost that it is costing your retirement and you're aware about that, then that's great. However, if you're just spending blindly. But having said that, going overboard, Patu, after listening to Deepak, perhaps I hope you're inspired now to buy that Ferrari buy uh, car. and match your goal change, uh, which is in our artwork. Uh, Deepak, thank you so much. It's been a very delightful episode. We went in very different directions. We started recording in the morning. We finished in the night. Very, very grateful. Thank you, Deepak. Have a good night. Thank, thank you, Patu. You, you. See you Welcome. next week on Let's Get Rich with Patu. Thank you, Deepak. Thanks. Bye, bye. You, Patu. Same here. Yeah, thank you, Deepak. Bye, bye. Bye, everyone. Good night, Siddhan. Thank you. You just heard Let's Get Rich with Patu, an Offspin original. Isn't it the coolest show you've heard in the Indian podcasting space? And even if it isn't, what's the point of getting rich alone, right? Share this show with those you care about and perhaps even with those you don't care about. But make sure you share this show with only those who you don't mind being richer than you. The music on this show was created by Pattu's biggest fan, Rajesh Ravi. And everyone on the Offspin team had some part or the other to play on the show. Let me name them quickly. Arshdi Nisrani, Krishant Das, Sandeep Banerjee, Arif Chagla, Anand Krishnan, Rajesh Ravi and Heer Khan. Heer, by the way, is also to be blamed for giving Pattu his gangster look, which is how he looks on a daily basis. Um, and me, Sidhan, your host. Let's Get Rich is available on all audio platforms wherever you consume your podcasts. So spread the word and we'll see you next week. You know we do this show only to help you guys, right? But if you're listening and you're that one person who has perhaps lost money and are holding it against Pattu or me for making you lose that money, then not only are you a mean person, but you also need to listen to this legal disclaimer. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute any financial advice. Views expressed are not official positions of financial institutions or Pattu or mine for that matter. Although we strongly believe in them, listen to this disclaimer even more carefully. We recommend consulting a qualified professional before making decisions. We disclaim liability for inaccuracies or losses from using this information in our show. By listening, you agree that the host, guests and producers are not only awesome people, 
but they are not responsible for your financial decisions or outcomes. This is Offspring.